Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke from That Film Stew. My co-host today is Jay. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. Today's topic, Superman Returns. It was the first theatrical Superman film since 1987's Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. <laughs> this is a movie that they tried to make for so many years, different variations. I think at one point, J.J. Abrams had a, what was it called, flyby? Yeah, yeah, I remember him being attached. Tim Burton was said to direct a movie written by Kevin Smith. McGee. Many, many attempts at a Superman film, but it was 2006, we finally got Superman back on the big screen. This is your warning, we will be talking spoilers. Did you see this at the movies? Yes, I did, opening night. Yeah, I, well, I think opening weekend I was there, and I was, I was so excited for this movie. I would normally try and shy away from trailers, clips, on a daily basis. I was just watching clips online over and over because official clips had been released and I just could not get enough of this movie. And keep in mind, this was the year after Batman Begins. So it was as if DC, Warner Brothers have arrived. Yeah, and it's, you know, they Brian Singer had just done great stuff with the X-Men franchise. They had coaxed him away to do Superman. He, so there was really good pedigree for the film. And I remember my brother especially, massive Christopher Reeve Superman fan, and this knowing this was supposed to be like a spiritual successor to those, using the same aesthetic, he was in hard, and he just dragged me along for the ride. With this movie, interestingly, so it serves as a homage sequel to the first Superman movie from 78 and Superman 2 from 1980, but he ignores the events of Superman 3, and Superman 4. Also, ignoring its spin-off, Supergirl, which came out in 84. Yeah. Which we have reviewed for this podcast. We have, yeah. Strangely did that before this movie. <laughs> we have covered Supergirl. Superman Returns stars Brandon Routh as Clark Kent Superman, Kate Bosworth as Lois Lane, Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor, and James Marsden as Perry White's nephew. But we've also got Frank Langella as Perry White. Yeah. And Parker Posey, she's the Miss Tessmacher character, only she has a different name. Yeah, she's playing Kitty a different character. Kowalski. There she is. But she pretty much is the Miss Tucker. Yeah. Miss Tessmacher. That's right. And they do feature that character on the Supergirl TV series. I was very happy about that. And eventually they got to Otis as well. Yeah. But he wasn't the bumbling Ned Beatty version. Yeah. Um, and also we had Jimmy Olsen played by Sam Huntington. And he's good. I like him in this. He's great. He, uh, he has the right mixture of enthusiasm and uh, innocence. I, I think I, it played generally well, especially the little jokes where uh, James Marsden's talking like, oh, you're the famous Clark Kent. I've heard so much about you. And he's like, yeah, he goes, yeah, Jimmy won't shut up about you. <laughs> and he wears a bow tie well. Yeah. Also wearing a bow tie, though, we've got Jack Larson as Bo, the bartender. He shares the screen, so you got two Jimmy Olsons together. Larson, he was Jimmy Olsen in, was it the Superman serial? The one that came out in 52. Yeah, yeah. the original stuff with George Reeves. We also have Noel Neal. You're chucking cameos out there at the moment. Yeah. We've got Noel Neal. She was 
Lois Lane in the 1948 Superman serial. She came back in 1954, Atom Man vs. Superman. And then she was Lois Lane's mother in the movie from 78. Yeah. So she's been back a few times. Yeah, and she plays Lex Luthor's uh, sugar mama. <laughs> That's right, the opening of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was great. I, I remember watching the behind the scenes because I have the super deluxe edition on Blu-ray. And they were having trouble shooting because... All the actors were doing a great job, but Brian Singer behind the camera couldn't help but laugh every time she's talked about he showed her thing, like, uh, the lights she'd never experienced before. Right, okay. Uh, just showing you how far Lex was willing to go to get that money. I mean, he got there, didn't he? Yeah. And why did he want that money? Real estate. Yeah. That's the thing with this movie. Just like that 1978 movie, it's real estate again. Yeah. It's essentially is... the same plot. Which is so ridiculous because he just got all this money from this old bird. He doesn't need the money anymore. <laughs> but that's the thing, though, isn't it? It's, I think back to Dick Dastardly, Wacky Racers. He had the fastest car. Yeah. If he'd raced fair, <laughs> he would have won every time. But he cheats. Yeah. And that's Lex in this movie. Like He's already rich. He's got the money. Yeah. But he's going to do this real estate plot, yeah. revisit that same plot from years ago, and fail. Yeah. And he wants the... Uh, the notoriety with it as well. So that's it. The money's not enough. That's why. That's yeah. why he's doing. I it. want to have the money and have you know that you paid me for it. This movie's about more than real estate, though. The film tells the story of Superman returning to Earth after a five-year absence. He finds that his love interest Lois Lane has moved on with her life, and that his arch enemy Lex Luthor is plotting a scheme that will destroy both Superman and America. Okay, so that last part is still about real estate. Yeah, but that's the movie. So. Here we are, Superman is back on the big screen and we find out that he he left for five years and it was all orchestrated by Lex because he wanted Superman out of the way so he couldn't testify in court. Yeah. That's the plot for this movie. Yeah, essentially. And I know they had actually shot a lot of stuff with sequences of him in the ship and visiting the remains of Krypton and stuff. So more of him in the black suit without the cape. Yeah, um, which were edited for time purposes, which doesn't surprise me. Um, but yeah, I would have, I would have liked to have seen those shots finished, even if it's it was just for special uh, special features. But already we've got a movie that runs for a hundred and fifty four minutes. Yeah, it is not a short film. And if I'm honest, watching it for this podcast, it's the first time that I've seen it in many years. I did it in two sittings. Yeah, it is a long film. Yeah, I was watching it at. 2 a.m. this morning, and it was um, the whole time I thought, oh, I wish this would move quicker. I was curious about how it actually performed, because back in 06, I guess I was more watching a movie to watch the movie. I wasn't necessarily looking at what was going behind with the box office and everything else. So what I found is upon its release, it received generally positive reviews, with critics praising its visual effects, story, and musical score. The performances of Ralph and Spacey, I mean, they are both great in it. I mean, yeah. say what you will about Spacey today. We're going to leave that to one side and we're just going to talk about his performance in this movie. And he is a great Lex Luthor. He's the guy, yeah. just like Patrick Stewart, when talking, when doing fan casting for anything, Lex Luthor was always said, you know, Spacey would make a great Lex Luthor. Yeah. Just like for Xavier, Patrick Stewart would be perfect. So those guys were always associated with these 
comic book characters years before they were actually cast. And then, and both of them, once they were cast, proved why the fans were correct on, oh, those, on, on those occasions. There's been some fan casting I've heard, which just sounds horrible. Billy Zane, I think his name was thrown around for Lex Luthor at one point. Yeah. I think he was looked upon, like people were seeing him as maybe the new Marlon Brando, like the new <laughs> up-and-comer. Or maybe that was before Superman Returns, but I've definitely heard his name circulated. It wasn't until the Supergirl, t- uh, Supergirl TV series I first heard John Cryer associated yeah. with the character. And, you know, he's he's fine. You yeah. know, he was in Superman 4 as... Yeah, as the, uh, the nephew. Yeah, he plays Luther's nephew that gets him out of prison. Yeah, he's dressed very 80s. <laughs> but yeah, but John Cryer did go on to play Lex. Uh, okay, so with this movie, though, there were some criticisms... Uh, focusing on its runtime again it goes for 154 minutes lack of action sequences now i'd like to counter that and we'll get to it when we're talking about the effects and action yeah. because i think because it's such a long movie the airplane scene for example that the space shuttle that happens at 35 minutes yeah and it's a long sequence as it well. is but for me the movie peaks at that moment yeah but it is a great visual effect i think because there's not consistently action sequences throughout the movie i think people forget a lot of the action that it does include and again we can we can get to that but it was a criticism the lack of yeah and um i understand as well but it was supposed to be reacquainting everyone with these characters it wasn't a it wasn't a sequel per se it was superman's not been on the screen for 30 years let's remember why we wanted him on the screen or 20 years at that point and with it being a continuation, that's why in a movie that came out in 2006, the budget that it had, we had one of the stars, Smoke, yeah. Lois Lane. Because yeah. that is a carry-on from those original movies. Yeah, You never 70s, see it light up. You don't, you don't. Well, that's like Constantine on yeah. the CW shows. Like, he's always like, about to light up. Yeah. He's always, where he's, he's got a dry cigarette in his mouth, never actually smoking. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's enough to get the point across. So returns, it was a box office success, but Warner Brothers were disappointed with the worldwide box office return. A sequel was planned for a summer 2009 release, but the project was later cancelled. You know, this earned quite a lot more than what Batman Begins brought in, but I think if you put the profit to one side, I guess the the audience, the critics' response to it wasn't what they got for Batman Begins. Yeah, and I also remember that it had done really well on home video sales as well, on DVD, um, which is what got them the initial green light for the sequel. And for some reason, it all just fell apart because Brandon Routh was... Oh, he wanted to do it. And they had had some good ideas for what the sequel was going to be, and yeah, it just never eventuated. I think there was trouble getting Brian Singer back... Um, and they wanted to, there was arguments over what the budget should be. You know, I did read something about initially Zod was to feature in this movie. Yeah. And Singer, I believe, wanted Jude Law. Pretty sure that's who he was after, but because he couldn't get the actor, he just removed him from the script altogether. But the plan was in the sequel, Zod, Brainiac, these characters would be the big bads. Yeah, because that was. What everyone has always said is, don't do a Superman movie and give him a villain he can't punch because this movie he doesn't throw one punch. Yeah, he he just doesn't. I mean, 
what's he going up against? An island? <laughs> and humans. I mean, if he punched them, they'd just be puddles. Yeah, yeah. So no, no punching in this movie. So Superman reacts to violence. He doesn't initiate violence. Yeah. And he, so it's mainly countering. Maybe that's what people are talking about with the action sequences. I mean, when they did Man of Steel in 2013, Henry Cavill was punching lots of things. Yeah. Yeah. He's slugging his way out. And of course, we've got Zod in that movie. But outside of films, though, this year, 2019, Brandon Routh will once again play Superman in the Crisis on Infinite Earths five-part crossover. Yeah, and he looks great in the well, shots. He's playing Kingdom Come Superman. He's got a darker costume. Instead of the yellow and red S, it's red and black. And he's got grey temples. Yeah, to show he's aged. Really excited for that. So it's good to hear that after all these years, Brandon Routh is getting another shot at Superman because he's stayed in the DC world only playing Ray Palmer, the Atom. On yeah. Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, and I I just feel he was miscast, especially when they initially, like, they followed that up by actually using Superman on Supergirl. You're like, oh, but you had one. He was right there. You know, there was one of the crossovers. It may be Invasion. It was the first time that Supergirl shared any screen time with the Atom. And she's looking at Ralph, and she makes a comment. You kind of look like my cousin. Yeah. Which was a fun joke. Yeah. Now it makes more sense. Only in the continuity of the series, there's different Supermen, Tom Welling, Tyler Hotchlin, Brandon Ralph, and there's going to be more. Yeah, there's definitely going to be more. But that's Crisis. Exciting times we're living. Uh, back to Superman Returns, they did put out some prequel comics. Yeah. I bought all of them. I think they're four all together. Covers by Adam Hughes. Beautiful covers. The prequel stories explored the five-year gap between Superman's departure from Earth in his return depicted in the movie. So he had an episode on Lex, Lois, Martha, and another one. But it was for... Well, maybe one actually focused on him. It's yeah, yeah, showing him travelling. So you can fill that gap slightly. But I've never really been a fan where the story point is that the hero has been away for a number of years. Like five years in Superman Returns. What was it for Batman in Dark Knight Rises? Eight years? Yeah. He had a bad leg, broken heart. Stop, yeah. He stopped being stopped being Batman. Yeah, yeah, that was the big thing with that is he suddenly had all these injuries that we didn't see. Like, But you said he was inactive for eight years. Where all these injuries come from? That's a disappointing movie. Anyway, yeah. we're not we're not <laughs> maybe one day we will get to the Dark Knight Rises. Ryan Singer then, as you've already said, he was successfully making X-Men movies for Fox, and he was the one that pitched Warner Brothers on this movie, like, he wanted to direct. Uh, Michael Doherty, I think another guy on the writing staff, but they had their pitch, and they were working hard on it before it had been greenlit by Warner Brothers. Like, he really wanted to make a Superman film. Yeah, because um, he likes the immigrant story. Uh, he relates to it because having been uh, adopted himself and Superman being adopted by the Kents, he just said he always uh, felt... A connection to the character and as i said i think he did a really good job it's just that sequel never came i think if if they got a sequel that we might still be watching brandon rouse superman movies singer has said that the next one would have been more of an action movie yeah that's what he was working towards i, I mean he definitely played it safe with this one yeah he repeated a lot of what worked in that movie in 78 
but we're talking about a movie that came out in 2006. You can't quite stick to that same template. You need to move on. And maybe when I first watched Man of Steel, it's like, wow, maybe they moved on a bit too far. Yeah, yeah. Too far the other way. But I've come to really like and appreciate that movie. Have you heard about the first meeting between Singer and Ralph? I have, yeah. Was this the uh, the lunch they had? Yep. So this, you know, so they met at a coffee shop and, you know, I think Singer was already there and he was waiting. Ralph came over, he stumbled, spilled hot coffee over the table. Um, yeah, and he was panicking, he was nervous. And it was, you've got this, you know, athletic looking tall guy. Like he essentially looks like Superman. But at this meeting, he's bumbling like Clark Kent. Yeah. So in that moment, I mean, Singer's like, you're him. Yeah. And it was interesting how he found out because he was still thinking, oh, am I going to get the part? I really want the part. And people were talking to him as if he already had the part before he actually knew himself. Yeah, yeah. They had forgot to tell him, oh, yeah, you got it. Can you come in for fit? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, why do you want to do a fit? I haven't got the part yet. But he did. Yeah. He did have the part. The last time I'm going to bring up Superman 4, the quest for peace. I think it's the third time I've brought it up. The last line of dialogue in that movie is Superman saying to Luther, see you in 20. The scene was filmed in 1986. Coincidentally, 20 years later, Superman Returns was released. Nice. Yeah. I mean, again, like they tried to make so many Superman movies within that time frame, but still. Yeah. That's how it ended up. He yeah. really did see him in 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It all aligned eventually. But I think we've agreed then, Brandon Ralph is a phenomenal Superman. Like he, and he nails both parts of the character, Superman and Clark Kent. He does it so well. Years ago, maybe not too many years ago, Brandon Ralph came here to Australia, Supernova, Comic Con, and I got to meet him. We got to exchange um, a few. Oh, he got to exchange a few stories, like what he did to come up with a character or his take on the character. And I was just pointing out a couple of things that I really enjoyed. And the interaction to begin with was very like, so, so, hey, how are you? But then just starting to talk about, you know, what he brought to the character of Clark Kent. And a bit that I always liked is the scene where he's eating the Chinese food. He's got noodles hanging out of his mouth and just little things like that, where, you know, he's doing something that we've not seen before in Christopher Reeve and he's showing a different bumbling or clumsy side of of Clark Kent. Like Superman wouldn't eat eat food in a messy way and have food hanging out of his mouth. Yeah, it's the it's the how can I subvert expectation around me to make them like immediately disregard me as a possibility. So just talking about how he ate noodles on screen, I think ended up giving us a fairly decent interaction. One that I'll certainly remember. He's not because he's going to go on to the next and the next and the next. And he does so many cons. But I was I really like the fact that I got to have a bit of time with him and have a bit of a chat. And he was wearing a Star Labs t-shirt, obviously <laughs> a, a connection to The Flash and all the CW shows. And I was wearing a Flash t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so but it kind of goes together. So I got a photo with the guy as well. Okay, Kate Bosworth. She is... My least favorite Lois Lane. Yeah, I think she was. I think she does a really good job in the film. Oh, um, do you? I I don't like her in this. She's cold. Um, although you you do get hints of the emotion because she's putting up a t- tough exterior and stuff. 
Her um her different color eyes can be distracting when she's on screen. Oh, right, I've not noticed that. That's a real thing yeah. that the actress has. Yeah, one blue eye, one brown eye. I can't remember what the David si- Bowie. He also had that. Yeah, I can't remember the scientific term, but uh, she has that. Um, that's not her natural hair. Her hair is naturally straight and blonde. So I think she does suit brown hair. Like yeah, I think visually, okay, great. Yeah, she looks you know like Lois Lane. She looks yeah. like a Lois Lane. Yeah, but just and you know what maybe. I shouldn't be putting this blame at Bosworth's feet or all at her feet because she's playing the part as it's been written. And I guess because of other things that are happening in this story, like there's the kid that I guess we'll get to. Yeah. And I don't know, like, or whether it's because she's supposed to be following Margot Kidder, who was a different Lois Lane. And yeah. she was such a strong, uh, just a, sh- a strong, it was such a strong performance that we got from Kidder as Lois Lane. And we've not seen that since. Yeah, because what we get from Kate Bosworth is she's a mother now and she's doing that stuff really well. Um, she's distracted. She's got a Pulitzer Prize thing coming up. But they actually give her... This is one of my favourite aspects that they did with her is you actually see her run down leads for a story and you see the competency of her investigative journalism. You do, and the drive, because Perry's like, everybody stop. Superman is the story, and she's like, "No, it's this other thing." I think it's all. This is yeah, like a this thing that almost on. killed me. Like, like it wasn't just a power outage. We like, need to investigate. Mobile phones and things yes. were going getting turned off. That's the story. There's something big there. Um, the the unfortunate thing is, by this stage, we already had Smallville on TV. Erica Durance and she's Erica great. Durance was doing a phenomenal job. I think the this is probably one of the reasons why Warner Brothers usually has a kind of weird rule of what's happening in the movies is the movies you don't get to use them on tv because in this case the movie version was being shown up by the tv version on lois not on superman yeah again like you know random mouth yeah <laughs> he's a phenomenal and he was superman. in the tights he was doing the flying he was doing the big saves for a small field they had the rule of no flights no tights until that wasn't a rule anymore yeah but anyway <laughs> they, they they did change that kind of the kid though okay let's talk about the kid yeah i i understand the idea in superman 2 he yeah he temporarily gives up his powers because he wants to settle down with lois and they have a night together and this is where they conceive. Well, I'm, honestly i'm blanking on the kid's name like it was only yeah that i watched it but the kid yeah, yeah um yeah, I can't remember. Cannot remember. I mean, that's a problem, isn't it? We yeah. both recently just watched it. Um, I'm, I'm honestly blanking on his name. But he shouldn't have powers because Superman was depowered at the time. Yeah, but he was depowered. I guess he's still, he's still got the genetics. He's still Kryptonian. Yeah. Um, and it does for future films. What do you do about the kid? That's what was interesting at the time, but the fact that it never went anywhere because they didn't get to do those sequels, watching it as a single movie, it, it doesn't work. Yeah, and poor Richard White, James Marsden. Oh, I know. Like, what were you going to do with him in a sequel? Because he's phenomenal, and he's so good. and He's really good, isn't it? But he's, he's going to end yeah. up like a, what, a wallflower because his fiance's and who he thought he's the wife, the mother of his child, has a thing for Superman. How are you going to compete with Superman? He's Superman. Yeah, just set up 
book failure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, there's a lot to like in this movie. I really like the, the set designs, the Daily Planet especially, looked great. Um, not probably not the kind of newsroom you're likely to get these days with the in a newspaper. <laughs> I mean, they, they did modernize it, which which I liked. Yeah, but before you continue with that, Jason, Jason was that the was kid's name. Literally, the name of my that film you co-host, and I yeah. could not remember that the name of the kid is Jason White. Yeah, it was a good exchange between Luther when he first captures Lois and Jason on the boat. Reckless parent, yeah, <laughs> like taking a, a son did, on a yeah. stakeout. Yeah, yeah. She didn't know it was going to be like Luther. She but did, she did but take him on careless. Like, yeah, and just when Luther's like, he's like, "Who's whose kid is this?" Yeah, immediately oh. looking at him and his age, he's like, "What the hell? How? Oh, what? Okay, let's talk about Spacey a little bit more. <laughs> just his line delivery, which." You know, he does the whole wrong. Yeah. That is good. I like that. But that's not my favorite Spacey's Lex Luthor moment. It's when he first comes out in that scene when he sees Jason and Lois, he's brushing his teeth and he's got his toothbrush hanging out and he's got like his tongue. It's as if his tongue's wrapped around the toothbrush. Yeah. And he goes, oh, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's such a good delivery. Yeah, and I like him. He's like surprised. He's like... generally surprised. You know, the smartest man or self-proclaimed <laughs> smartest man on the planet. And... He didn't see that coming. That was a yeah. nice exchange. We had Jason, so he's the kid, protects his mum, kills a man with a piano. Yeah. Granted, bad guy, evil clown face tattooed up back of yeah. his head. But still, at such a young age, Jason murdered somebody in self-defense. Yeah. It's weird. It is. It is. And it's the sort of thing that gets would have gotten washed over in the sequel, except for the fact, I've seen you use your strength, blah, 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 something like that. But, yeah, it's... You know, it's a weird one. We both forgot Jason's name, but he actually has some good scenes in this. You know, the ones we're talking about, but also in the newsroom. Clark's there. He's and, looking up at and Clark. And on the TV is a monitor, and it's Superman. And he's, like, his asthma's playing up, or he needs his inhaler, because he's starting to, like... Yeah, he's like... He's getting he all worked so up, like so like, That's clearly him. Can nobody see that? Yeah. This guy here wearing glasses is Superman. Yeah. Yeah, it's really well played. But then you find out that, yes, he's taking all these insulin or whatever else, he's taking all this medication, and all the while, it's his Kryptonian side trying to come through. Yeah. And it's been suppressed by all this Earth-based medicine. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's clever. Um, very Wolverine, if you've read the origin of him before his mutation kicks in. You know, this, this movie was made with the approval of Richard Donner, who directed... Superman and for the most part Superman 2 until yeah. Richard Lester came along but he was the director so it was very important what he thought about this movie and that's why Singer approached him first but what was revealed in that meeting is that back in the 80s Richard Donner was planning on them having a kid maybe in that third movie and also in that third movie instead of having Richard Pryor as Gus and this generic supercomputer it was going to be Brainiac yeah so if only Dick Donner would have been able to continue with his vision for the franchise, yeah. it would have been different. But we could have got this kid in the 80s. Yeah, it would have... what if... I've gone back to calling him this kid again. Jason. Yeah. <laughs> we could have got Jason back in the 80s, but we didn't. We got him in this movie. And you've talked about Richard White already. James Marston, so he's the nephew of Perry. Yeah, um, uh, assistant editor of the international section. Uh, and he's 
They have a really nice house for two newspaper journalists. Don't they, just? Yeah, and he has a seaplane. Like, uh, the whites must come from money, is all I can say. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they, must, they must do. Uh, Parker Posey, Kitty Kowalski. She's she's great. She's phenomenal in this. She's, she is good, yeah. She's clearly, like, just like Miss Tessmacher, has a massive crush on Superman. But for some reason, she's still hanging out with Lex. But especially the scene when she confronts Lex, having just gotten away from the car. Yeah, that he slaps him. Yeah. That was a good moment. But in the car, though, they get to recreate Action Comics issue one when Superman rescues her, lifts the car up, and he puts the front end down first. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, yeah, really well done. Um, but she was terrified because not part of the plan. Yeah, yeah. She was, was not supposed to, to cut yeah. the brakes. Yeah, we were supposed to pretend the brakes were cut. You didn't actually have to cut them. And then, again, Kevin Spacey's delivery of, of course I can. A man can always tell when a woman's lying, especially <laughs> Superman. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there's some good interactions there. And around about this time as well, this was the, wasn't the only comic book movie Parker Posey did. She was also in Blade Trinity. So it seemed as though she came from indie movies. She was doing a couple of studio movies. And since these films, she's shied away from it. She's gone back to smaller projects again. Yeah, except for, of course, Lost in Space, which comes out very That's shortly. That's right. Yeah, she's, she's um, Dr. Smith. Yeah. Okay. Until that then. Yeah. <laughs> she but... was only doing smaller projects. Yeah. I forgot she was in that. You know, I couldn't... I didn't stick with that series. I reckon I watched the first half of season one. Do you think it's worth going back to? Yeah, well, because, you know, they actually end up lost in space oh, right. at the end. That's oh, the right. whole, yeah, that's why everyone's big gripe was, they're not even lost in space, there's all these other people. And then, spoilers for the end of the first season. Well, we can't spoil a TV series <laughs> on the movie review, but okay. Yeah, uh, don't listen yeah. to this next part. Yeah. Three, two, one. They end up separated from the rest of the guys at the end of the finale. So that was a spoiler yeah. for Lost in Space yeah. Season 1. Although if you watch the trailer for Season 2, it's clear as day there as well. Oh, okay. So it's in the trailer. It's yeah. not a spoiler if it's in the trailer. Frank Langella is a very calm Perry White. Yeah. Very and, calm. And it, it works really well because when he, when he speaks, people hurry and are around him People by stop his and listen, yeah. Um, because I guess they just want to break the mold of the, the angry, like, like, um, you know, Lane, get in here. Kent! Great, great Caesar's ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great shades of Elvis. Or maybe that was more just specific to Lois and Clark. There's a reason though, why they didn't want allowed. I mean, one, what you're saying there, but also they wanted to avoid comparisons to JK Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, yeah. And that makes a lot of sense as well, because... Especially at the time, J.K. Simmons, I mean, even now, he's back as J. Jonah Jameson, but he's been voicing J. Jonah Jameson on the cartoons this whole time. We're going to have to put so many spoiler warnings on this episode. Yes. <laughs> Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah. J.K.'s back. Hopefully you've seen that movie. But, yeah, you're not going to out-yell J.K. Simmons. You're not, no. So they've gone for a quieter approach. Do you know, it wasn't the first choice, though. Hugh Laurie, that's who they wanted. And at oh, one point, wow. I heard that he was attached, but he had to turn it down because of House. Yeah, which was a massive TV show. hit at the time. Oh, it was huge. And then, of course, Frank Langella was cast. Yeah. You know, a couple of episodes ago, I reviewed another Langella movie. <laughs> Masters, Masters of the Universe. Universe. 
you know, he is the best thing yeah. about that movie. Yeah. He, is, he is so good in that. But even in that, though, he's giving a quiet performance. I think that's his go-to. Yeah. He's not a big, shouty guy. No, no, he... Um, but he's... He's got, know, he's just got, just got so much presence on screen. He really does, yeah. I think, you know, he's got a, a theatre background. You know, he's classically trained, and it comes across in his performances in movies. Yeah. Um, I really like the scene where he's got people from the paper gathered around in a meeting room from different departments. Yeah. And he's like in, he's like calling out each department with the angle. Like, so we're only going to report on Superman. Superman returns. This is how we're going to do it. Sport. How are they going to clear the plane out of the stadium? Like, yeah. You know, lifestyle. Superman returns. Fashion. You know, he's going through <laughs> yeah, all yeah. of it. Yeah, is that a new suit? Uh, health and fitness. What's he been eating? Is he, is he working out? Yeah, he, he has all of the angles covered by the time he opens his mouth <laughs> it's yeah it's really well done he does and he you do get a, a great caesar's ghost out of him as well i feel as though until this conversation i've never really given him a, enough credit as why because yeah. he, he really is doing a good job isn't he yeah uh and you know he's also you know lois is all worried about her um she he keeps having to direct her you're not doing the super blackout you're doing superman we have all these other papers who, with an attractive female reporter on the roof. You're doing Superman, um, but also when she's like, she finally hands in the script. He's he doesn't care. He's like, oh, I get to read this, and she's and he's, she's like, I'm right. Don't you think this is ridiculous? He said, No, pick out something nice. You're getting a Pulitzer, but I don't like the the idea of why I'm getting the Pulitzer. He's like, Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's like an Oscar. No one cares about what you want it for. <laughs> But then the whole thing with her as well is like, while Superman was away, she did win a Pulitzer for the article, Why the World Doesn't Need Superman. Yeah. And then when we get to the end of the movie, she's writing another article, Why the World Needs Superman. She soon comes around. He only nearly had to die in yeah, the process yeah. for her to come around. Yeah. Just, yeah, look up into those big blue eyes and realize, I miss this guy. <laughs> We've got Stanford. He's a character in this movie, a bit yeah. of a henchman, played yeah. by Cal Penn. Yeah. Um, who's... Does he even have a single line of dialogue? Yeah, he does quite a bit of talking. <laughs> He's got quite a bit of dialogue, is a better way of putting that sentence. <laughs> He's got dialogue in this movie. For the most part, though, when this came out, he was one half of Harold and Kumar. <laughs> that is all I could see him as. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I don't remember him saying anything. I mean, he does. I think, yeah, maybe. I mean, he doesn't get any big monologues or anything, but he does have, he does have some dialogue. You know, with the in the original script, there was more to his role. Like you found out that um, it would have been revealed to have been a disgraced former Daily Planet science reporter, and then Lex takes him under his wing. So there was more going on there. But again, like with this movie running for two and a half hours. I wonder how long the the full cut is because it's going to be three it's hours be, yeah, minimum. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that was left out of the movie. So there was more explanation about who he was and why he was actually on the team. Yeah, and he's definitely the most important of the of the male thugs. <laughs> he is. Yeah, it's pretty much him and Parker Posey. Yeah, like everyone else, like they're just interchangeable. Yeah, goons. yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, they're goons, literally. Hard goons. <laughs> We get Marlon Brando in here, archive footage. It's what they actually shot for Superman 2, 
but there was a falling out between Brando, the producers, and they couldn't use his footage. So instead, Susanna York, who played Lara, Superman's mum, she does the dialogue instead. But they get to use it here. Yeah. So we get a bit of Brando in this movie. So we've already got... I mean, the music is the John Williams music, only it's John Ottman as the composer. Yeah, and you get the uh, the intro credit sequence just done. Lifted just like from that movie. Yeah. So that's cool. And beat for beat, you get the Superman, John Williams fanfare. Yeah. But then there is some original pieces in here from Ottman, who is a composer that Singer has worked on quite a few projects with, including X-Men 2. Yeah. Before this. Yeah, and he, his score is really great. It, um, it is a brilliant score. Like, there's so many... Like, there's a track called Memories, which is a good one. And that's the point in the movie at the beginning where Clark is back on the Kent farm after his five-year absence, and he's just looking out into the distance. And he's remembering when he was a kid, running through the fields. He's running, he's leaping, he falls yeah. through the barn, he lands before hitting the floor. There's so many good uses of his powers in, in this movie. Yeah. Um, and... The uh, while we get Stalker Superman, oh, I know, yeah. <laughs> and then when he flies off and you get some of the Marlon Brando dialogue, uh, his score there is I mean, I so do... brilliant, yeah, it, it, it works really well. But with Stalker Superman, we do get that he's he's just been all leery <laughs> outside the White household and he's just down there. I, I'm, I'm okay with it. And I'm not okay with it. I mean, it kind of, I get what's happening, but I don't like the idea of like Superman using his powers for personal gain. And that's what's happening in this moment. He's using his powers to spy. But I like the fact that he does that to a point and then he stops because he's like, right, okay, that's for me. Now everything else that's going to happen is for them, is for the people. Yeah. And he goes up into space, that moment you're talking right here, Brando, you've got the, the Superman music, but then... He closes his eyes he, he, and he listens to like all the the cries for help and then he goes into action. Yeah, and then, you know, you you get the great montage of the news footage the next morning of how busy he was. And you've got the, the Gatling gun, that bullet, the yeah. eyeball. You've got all those great sequences, but hang on. Let's backtrack. The big rescue, 35 minutes into the movie, yeah. you've got the plane, the space shuttle, that whole sequence is phenomenal. And as I said earlier, the movie peaks there. Yeah. It never gets better than that. But that is one of the... from my, It's one of my favourite scenes from any Superman movie. It is incredible. Yeah, and it's a shame as well that you want a big entrance for Superman for the first time you see him in the cape in a film. But they really should have had something... Like I'm sure they thought on paper the for the finale of him lifting the island... Would have been more visually impressive, but it's not. It doesn't have the pace. It doesn't have no, the energy it, of the initial not, save. That is an incredible save, and I like how they go about it. Like bits where he's holding on. Like first off, you see Lois looking out the window, and he flies by. That's cool. And then you just get the close up of his boots on the part of the plane, and yeah. he's holding it. He's using heat vision. He's trying to stir the trajectory of the plane with its wing. Yeah, he's trying to slow its spin. Yeah, uh, but then but he's got so much strength and he forgets how much more he's got. The wing breaks off. And then there's a bit that I've always loved. It's where the wing is now in his flight path. Yeah. And to save time flying around it, it just goes through the, yeah. through the wing. And he eventually stops the plane. He sets everybody down. 
And he has that moment where everybody's, you know, all the reporters are there and he looks past everybody at Lois and he just says, are you okay? Yeah. And then everyone like just turns around and looks at Lois. It is a great Superman Lois Lane moment. Yeah. And then he gives his cheesy, I hope this doesn't put you a flying. Statistically speaking, flying is still the safest way to travel. Yeah. Which he said in the first Superman movie with the helicopter. And he says again in Superman 4, this is the last time I'll mention that movie, in <laughs> Superman 4 when he stops the train, he yeah. says it there as well. Yeah. This is go-to. It's a cheesy line, but it works. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a phenomenal sequence. Uh, the bullet off the eyeball as well. Is, I mean, it's brilliant. The, yeah. Every, I think it was in every trailer. Yeah. And the, yeah, the first time I saw that, I'm like, holy crap, he's so strong. A bullet bounced off his eyeball. It's really good. Yeah, it works really well. And the special effects on the plane sequence have held up fairly well. Really well. The destruction of Metropolis. Like, when what what Lex is doing with the Krypton Island or whatever he's got going on there is affecting the mainland. It's affecting Metropolis. Yeah. You get that incredible scene where the globe of the daily planet i've always loved loved it but it's not practical having yeah. something so big and heavy on the top of a building but it's falling and perry's there and superman catches it and it's like atlas holding the world yeah. it is a really iconic image and all of that like when there's like the buildings are getting smashed and the glass is falling down towards the people and then he uses heat vision to, to take out the shards take out the shards so that's again like going back to people saying that there's not enough action in this movie i think when he does it he does it really well. And we yeah. get to see some really good uses of his powers. Yeah, I th yeah, I think people just don't like seeing mopey Superman. <laughs> Worse than that, though, like, he gets a kryptonite shank to the back. Oh, and that is really hard to watch. Yeah. You can even see, like, the other people there with Lex are like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, You're taking it too far. And, like, Lex is really reveling in it. Yeah. 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 Now fly. Oh, no, he takes it to a harsh place. I think we touched on briefly the costume. Let's talk about it some more because it is, it's a continuation from the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, the first two, but this is a very different costume. It's it's darker in colour. They've gone, instead of it being like a, a fabric S on his chest, instead it's like a 3D mould. Yeah, which I remember really liking at the time. Um, I always had a problem with it being too small on his chest. It is, it is small. It's like in the um, the Lois and Clark pilot when you first saw Dean Kane, he had a smaller S yeah. from that pilot only. But he looks Superman always looks better with a bigger S. I'll, yeah, I, I give you that. Yeah, um, yeah, you want it to take the, uh, be the massive symbol across his his whole chest, um, and the light color blue fabric. Um, well, it's not as light as I remember, but there's a lot of fine detail. Like there are S's. All over his costume. There's the big one on his chest, which the all the little embossing on it are also little S's. There's the S on his belt buckle. There's the S's on the back of his boots. On his boots, yeah. Everywhere but the back of his cape. And the reason why is that's because, and just like with Man of Steel, in this movie, the cape's mainly going to be CGI when it's in motion. And yeah. it's just, it's difficult for them to animate the yellow S. It's why a lot of cartoons, they leave the S out as well. And I think that's why they put it on the belt buckle. Yeah. Because they needed to put that extra S somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, they said that, although these days they model the the fabric, so I don't think it would be such a tr problem. But for the now. most part, like this, the suit still holds up. It looks good. And, and because it's a darker red, like his cape, 
Similar to Batman, it looks like leather. Yeah. It's a different kind of material. Yeah. Um, and even the way it sounds as well has a bit more of a, a plasticky sound to it when with the, the way it ruffles through air. But it's good. The, the thing about it being maybe a lighter blue and a smaller S, it makes Brandon Routh's size, which and he got in he's a big guy and he's got into a phenomenal shape for the film. It makes him look more athletic in build than imposing like you do with Henry Cavill, right, who looks okay. like Superman. Although Henry Cavill's also a little shorter than Brandon. He's Rath. shorter, I'd say he's probably broader yeah. as well. But he does, you know, he looks the part in this costume. I think it's a good looking costume. And it's still, although we're talking about the extra S's that they've added, for the most part, they're subtle. When you've got a close-up shot, you're going to see those extra details. But from afar, you're not. But if you look at what Tyler Hotchland wears in Supergirl, there's like all these added details that don't need to be there. The yeah, great busies thing, it up. That's right. The great thing about the best superhero costumes, they're simple in design. Yeah. Yeah, and the uh, the only other gripe I have with it is his blue contact lenses because whenever you put light contact lenses on someone with dark eyes, they always end up looking fake. I did read as well that apparently they moved, and so Brandon Routh had a bit of an issue with this. So no doubt in post they would have had to fix his eyes up a little bit. Yeah, because the eyeballs sometimes moved in directions <laughs> yeah. that they shouldn't. Like, hey, which direction is Superman looking in? Yeah. <laughs> That's the contact. Yeah, a little bit cross-eyed. Oh, it's just the contact moved again. Which, how many good shots did they lose because the contact didn't work? Right, yeah. Take two, take yeah. three. <laughs> we need to do it again. But yeah, it's it's a good-looking suit, though, you know, for the most part. And it's the last time on the big screen we see the trunks because Cavill doesn't wear them. Yeah. Small trunks, I might add. I've yeah. always found yeah, that yeah, these little red trunks are quite small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they and they are more shorts than they are underwear. What he's wearing in the Crisis crossover, they look more like boxer shorts. Yeah, they're like the bigger. Yeah, I think more in line with what the original idea was for Superman to have a costume that resembled the circus strongmen of yeah. the time. Whereas in this, it's more like he's wearing just little little, little shorts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I still I still like the red to break up all of the blue. Though. You need it. You do need it. I I do like it. Yeah. Yeah. So the costume, I think, for the most part, it's working for both of us. But there's a few tweaks that could have potentially made. Yeah. And the costume for everyone's really good. I mean, Lois Lane, we've already talked about Kevin Spacey's Lex Luthor, especially his white his jacket. White, yeah. yeah. I mean, you think Lex Luthor like it, it's. Everything about Spacey, you know, his performance, his look, the the clothes, yeah, Lex Luthor, yeah, his dialogue as well, his his using smarts to talk down to everyone around him. He's he's great. You know, further viewing, there is a documentary. It's called "Look Up in the Sky: The Amazing Story of Superman." Have you seen that? It came out around about the time of Superman Returns, so they put quite a lot into it. It's yeah. really you know worth watching. I think Brian Singer is down as being a executive producer or he contributes in, in some way. But for further viewing, it's definitely worth watching and keeping that Superman Returns connection. It's narrated by Kevin Spacey. I'm sure I watched it at the time it came out. They put it out as a special feature on one of the many Superman box sets that yeah. I've put out over the years. Yeah, because I've got the Ultimate box set in there and I'm pretty sure I watched it off, off there. 
but it's definitely worth watching. But with this movie, Superman Returns, if you're going to rate it out of five. Oof, it's hard. All um, two and a half hours. <laughs> um, I'd have to give it probably a three and a half, just because as I still really enjoy this film, but it is long. Um, the pacing does drag in, in places, which... Yeah, I don't mind slow films, but for a superhero fair, you, you do want it to to start to accelerate towards the end. And this has quite a slow ending for a big action movie. It's a big action set piece of him lifting the island, but the sequence itself is slow. Um, the other small little gripes there, the fact that you know we didn't we didn't get a sequel to really capitalize on some of the stuff entered in here. Yeah, it just. There's well, the one I can't, I don't quite recommend. If someone asks me to watch a Superman movie, and I don't recommend something animated, it will be probably the original '78 film or Man of Steel. Yeah, it depends who's asking. I think, yeah, I think Man of Steel might be a better recommendation, depending on who the person is, how old they are. Yeah, like if it's someone like teenager, early twenties, it's gonna be Man of Steel. Yeah, but someone a little bit older. I mean, I'm not as old as seventy eight, but I grew up on that movie. Yeah, so that's my go to. But I think it might play a bit dated to a modern audience. Yeah, and this especially you know things like the pimp. Yeah, man, that is one bad outfit. Woo! <laughs> Great scene. Great scene. Catching the helicopter. That yeah. is my favorite action set piece from any movie ever. Yeah, love it. But, uh, yeah, you can't recommend Superman Returns as being this is the movie you need to watch because, you know, we've said it a couple of times already, it is a continuation of those first two movies. Yeah. So it's referring back to something that you'd have no context for. But this movie, I guess for the rewatch, it's longer than I remembered. I did enjoy it that first time on the big screen, since watched it on DVD and Blu-ray, but for this rewatch, it's not... Uh, the runtime does hurt it. And, you know, what I've said about... Uh, Bosworth as Lois Lane. I'm going to come in this, the same as you. It's a 3.5. It, it yeah. is not a bad film. It is a good film. Yeah. But unfortunately, it does get hurt, as you've said, because it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. We don't get to see what will happen with their kid. Yeah. Um, and if this was a pure origin film, you wouldn't have that problem. But because it is so indebted to the original Christopher Reeve film... It, it falls in that middle ground of you could, you wouldn't start here. You'd have to watch the Christopher Reeve stuff to have the context. And then with this one, it's not a start-off point and that it doesn't go anywhere. And that's despite the phenomenal uh, performances we get. Even out of context, I would recommend the the plane sequence oh, absolutely. to anybody. Like you, you could just watch that out of context. It is a great Superman moment, an action scene. And again, at 35 minutes, this two and a half hour movie peaks. Yeah. That's problematic. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it for our episode all about Superman Returns. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Jay, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. <laughs>